My name is Alan Budd. I'm the director of Catalyst, which is New Life's young adult ministry. And yeah, there we go. All right. So this weekend, we've been doing everything with the service, ushers, greeters, you know, the announcements, the band, and all of that, because we wanted to serve together and, and uh, just do that in front of you guys. We're awesome to be here. Um, it's good news for you guys that I lead Catalyst, because I typically keep my teaching short, since I'm usually talking to them, and I know that they're just waiting for the service to end, so they can ask somebody out or find someone else to date, you know. <laughs> so I don't talk long. <laughs> Actually, I joke because some people hear young adult ministry and they assume it's just a group to meet people, that that's all we're thinking about. Uh, but honestly, this group uh, teaches me. It really does. It encourages my heart. Um, I, am, I feel very honored and very privileged to lead them and be part of that group. And so if you get a chance, if you're serving alongside of them or a ministry with them, um, please take a minute and get to know them. It will be a blessing to you. Great group of folks. So we're thrilled to be here with you. Uh, if you guys want to pull out your study notes, uh, there's some notes in there with the fill-in-the-blanks things. Um, some people like to fill those in. I don't. I hate it. Um, <laughs> but I'm told that you guys, some people do, so I put some in there. I had to work really hard to make sure I knew where there's going to be some underlines and spots for you to fill it in. So hopefully I'll stay with you. So there's, here's a little background. I don't know if you knew this, but 2013 marks the 100-year anniversary of the invention of the refrigerator. Yeah, it's awesome, right? 100 years we've had this. So this begs the question, how did they preserve things like meat over 100 years ago? Well, when I want to find things like this out, I always feel like it's best to ask someone who was there. So Pastor Claude, <laughs> how, did, how did that work? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> So, well, before refrigeration, that was funny. Um, <laughs> before refrigeration, people would preserve things like meat and vegetable using salt. I don't know if you knew this. Salt is a natural preservative that kills bacteria and prevents decay. So the presence of salt means that the harmful, destructive bacteria is kept at bay. So Tracy's going to come read our passage to us. I want you to keep this in mind. When Jesus is speaking of salt, He's speaking of a seasoning that acts as a preservative. He's speaking of the good of salt if it is used as it was intended to be used. Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This is the reading of God's word. So you guys remember uh, last June, early July, uh, when many Gahanna residents lost power. Remember that was days, sometimes weeks for some people. When we, when we lose power, what are the two things we think about first? The jump to our mind. Light. We need to find flashlights. We cannot stay in the dark. I mean, we need to live. We've got to move around. Uh, we have to have light for that. I don't know about your house, 
but my house, none of the bathrooms have a window. And so it gets really dark when you're trying to go in there and, uh, you know what I'm talking about. So, and the second thing is the food. We need to save the food. It will spoil if we don't do something. Why does it seem that the power always goes out right after you go to the grocery store, you got a full fridge, the power goes out, you start to go through these different stages. First, you panic, what's going to happen to the food? And then you relax, you say, no, it's going to come back on, it's all good, everything's fine. Then after about an hour, you start thinking through all the contingency plans, how can I save the food so it doesn't spoil? Right? These are the things that become our focus. There is an urgency because of the immediate need. Well, this world has an immediate need. It's in darkness, and everything is decaying around us. Tragedies like Boston, watching the nightly news. I mean, pick any night. How many times have you caught yourself saying, this world is not like it used to be? We can all see the constant decaying that is happening. Without light and preservatives, people are left desperately searching for some solution to fill that need. The power is out, and they're stumbling around in the darkness looking for a flashlight, worried about how everything is going to spoil. Luckily, Jesus has provided an answer. He's good that way, right? In the same way, Jesus is telling us this. The world needs something to light the way. Look at verse 14. You are the light of the world. That's you. You are the light of the world. You are to be the one to light the way. Look at what he's saying. Jesus is stating that you are God's messenger to the world. The other thing is the world needs a preservative against decay. Verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. You. You're the preservative against decay. Jesus makes this clear. You have been entrusted with a message to the world for this hope that we have. You know, if you've been around here at New Life, you know that Jesus has done it all. The gospel displays that. But he wants us to participate. In fact, he recruited us to his team. we got to believe this. This is critical. Because here's the truth. You were once part of the problem. Ephesians 5.8 says this. For at one time... You were darkness, you, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. So before Jesus, you were darkness. You were part of the problem. But now, if you're in God's family, you're light. So you might be sitting there, okay, I'm light. What does that mean? Does that mean people are stumbling around in the darkness looking for me? Look at verse 16. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Now this is interesting. Let your light shine, your good works, and give glory to your Father? Wait a second. My light, my good works, so to give him glory? Now don't get me wrong. I'm okay with that. But how do we do that? Because it seems to me that if I do the good works, and if I'm the light, then all the attention is going to be on me. Right? 
I don't want that. This seems to go against the whole point, doesn't it? So if you're like me, you may have seen this danger too, probably even quite naturally, and it doesn't seem to add up. So what's the natural response? If I truly want the attention on him, I start to back off, right? Let's take me out of the picture so that people will see him as the Savior. But Jesus knew we were going to do that too. Look at the warnings we were given. Verse 14, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. You can't hide it. You can't cover it up. This is not the response that he wants. He is not asking that you back off. Make sure that no attention is on you so that he is seen and you don't steal the spotlight. Rather, he is telling you to shine. He wants us to shine. He makes this clear that if you are the light, you cannot be hidden. He wants us in the picture. He wants us to boldly declare the good and mighty God we serve and point others to him. He wants to be glorified by us. See, this is how we do good works and people give him glory. Instead of giving it to us, we point to Jesus. We show the light and we tell about him. Remember in school, show and tell, show and tell. So picture this, picture a lighthouse. It must shine. That's what it was designed to do. But it doesn't shine to bring others to itself. No, there's dangerous rocks here. Don't come to me. I shine to help divert them away from danger and point them to their true destination. My bright light points to the one who is worthy. Does that make sense? The goal is not the light. The light is a way of illuminating something else entirely. See, if we miss this, if we focus on only the show and not the tell, here's the danger. We can easily replace bold proclamation with good, righteous living. We can easily replace bold proclamation with good, righteous living. These are not the same things. This way of living distorts the light. See, if we just live a good, righteous life, hoping that what we do will be noticed and credited to Jesus, yet we don't pair that with any message about Jesus. We just essentially are crediting ourselves. Now listen, we, we may live according to the ways of Jesus, which is attractive. We get the attention and the reward even if we don't ask for it because we have not illuminated anything else. We would be a beacon of light that just doesn't point to anything. Let me give you an example. Oh, Jim, look how good he is at his job. Oh, Megan is just such a, such a great mom. Little Johnny's great in school. Are they just good people, kind to others, hardworking, loving? Or are they just not pointing the light? See, I know some people who recognize this, and we push back against this. But even then, if we're not aware, it's real easy to only partially respond and fall into one of two paradigms. These traps can catch us. Two paradigms. The first one is this. 
Keep my head low because I want to be humble. Their response, duck down, not to draw attention on themselves because they want to be humble. Let it all be about him. Well, since I won't boldly proclaim, I need to tone down how righteous looking I live. And these people end up doing nothing at all. This isn't humility. This is covering your light. But I don't want to outshine Jesus. You can't outshine Jesus. That's the worst excuse to use. Please don't use that. It's terrible. See, if you illuminate Jesus, then your light will dull in comparison. You don't have to worry about that. Here's the other paradigm. They boldly proclaim, but they don't live it. These are the people who talk about it, but don't live according to the way of Jesus. These are people that get all the attention in the world. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me. But they aren't truly illuminating Jesus. All they do is talk without good deeds. So no one wants to give glory to God. In fact, people are usually turned off because of their hypocritical message. See, if we find ourselves in one or the other, we will see that it just leads to good, righteous living. That doesn't illuminate Jesus. It's not attractive. It's not being salt and light. This is what verse 13 is talking about. Salt that has lost its flavor, so it's worthless, except to be trampled under our feet. It's not a seasoning. It's not a preservative. Okay, all right. I get it. You're with me here, right? Like, I, I, I want to participate in what he's doing in the gospel, and I want to make sure everyone knows it's about him. So how do we do that? How do we do that? Verse 16, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Good works and then give glory. So they need to know the reason why you do what you do. The and is critical. So do the good deeds and tell people why you do them. Why you live your life in the way that you do. The and is absolutely necessary. So if you do a love works project, if you bless someone because of Christ, you need to tell them that's why you're doing it. Sometimes we're tempted to just duck in and serve and duck out. We need to tell them. As verse 15 is talking about, that is lighting the lamp, putting it on the stand so it will give light to all in the house. The putting on it on the stand, that's the and. That's boldly proclaiming it. I'm going to light it and put it on the stand. I'm going to highlight Jesus. This is why I'm doing it. That makes sense? Now, this is tough. You're thinking, you want me to put myself out there? Jesus does. And if you're like me, you don't even want to put one of those Christian fish in the back of your car because you're afraid you're going to cut somebody off. And they're like, that guy. All those Christians out there, they're all terrible. Sure, we could drive better, but whatever. <laughs> well, this gets harder when you think about shining your light in everyday context. I don't know about you, but I blow it all the time. What will they think about my message then? 
Let me ask you this. Which better exemplifies the need for the gospel? When I have it all together? Or when I have no other option than Christ? Which truly matches the message that I share? See, at work, I talk about Jesus quite a bit. And I screw up quite a bit. But the gospel is shown even greater in my weakness if I tell them why I still have hope. Here's an example. So I had this employee that showed me great disrespect. I did not take it well. You can't do that. I'm the manager. I'm in charge. So I told her with vigor and anger that she would not show that kind of action towards me again. Because I'm in the right, right? I'm in charge. I made it clear. You don't cross me. Well, this wounded her deeply. Because previously I'd shown her great concern about her life. Telling her and showing her the love of Jesus. Then I responded to this situation in a way that another very oppressive relationship had always treated her. I blew it. My message did not match my actions. What light was I worth then? See, this is when humility comes in. So I went to her and I apologized. I told her I knew I had hurt her. I told her I knew I had responded in a way that did not match the things I had been telling her and showing her about Jesus. I told her I had no excuse, and the only thing, the only thing I had to redeem my wrongdoing is Christ. I have nothing else to offer but an apology. I have nothing else to lean on except the grace offered in the gospel. I told her this is why I need the gospel just as much, if not more, than everybody else. See, this was uncovering my light. I know it's hard. It's a challenge to think about how we might live in such a way to illuminate Christ and proclaim in such a way that displays Christ. Fear, fear of rejection, fear of not fitting in, fear of messing it all up. It can cripple us unless we realize the utter darkness that is out there and the need for preservative against the decay. What once seemed easier when I was a young Christian has gotten harder as I've gotten distracted by my own image and blending in. So a year ago, some of the Catalyst crew decided they wanted to go down to the gallery hop and play worship music and pray for people. They asked me if they could do it. I said, sure. But in my head, I thought, oh boy. They are in for a rough time. You just can't go do that in the world today. You go out there and start telling people about Jesus, they're going to be so discouraged. But since it's a good lesson, I will let them do it. I'm a good leader. What can I say? <coughs> it was a good lesson for me. See, they came back pumped. They got to pray for several people and have good conversations. Their proclamation was good for them and 
for the people they encountered that night. I was so wrong in what I thought would happen that night. Then I get this email. This gal was there and later went to our website, found my name under the ministry and sent me this. Let me read it to you. I was at the gallery hop last night and had the blessing of running into a group of people from Catalyst playing music out on the streets. Worship wasn't something I was expecting to encounter at a gallery hop, but I am so thankful I did. I grew up in a Christian family, but had just recently accepted Christ into my life. Even though I would consider myself to be a follower of Christ, it has proved to be very hard to live like one. I felt God's hand in placing me in that spot last night because only minutes before I ran into them, I had done something very wrong. It was something that I used to struggle a lot with a year ago, but when I accepted Christ, I made it a point to stop. While I have recently been falling back into all the same sins that used to control me, and when someone from the group came to me offering prayer for anything I was struggling with, I was so convicted. I guess the reason I'm writing this to you is let you know how awesome I think it was that they were out worshiping and praying for people last night. I know that sometimes outreaching can be discouraging because you feel rejected and that you're not really doing much good. But if it counts for anything, what they were doing last night definitely made an impact on my life. I emailed her back and I said, can I share this? This is what she wrote. Yeah, of course. You can specifically talk about the gallery hop if you like. I found the more I try to hide the sinful life, the more it controls me. I'm sure you already know this, but you've got an amazing group of people. I have never in my life felt so accepted and genuinely cared about by people that don't even know me. This is sharing the light. This is show and tell. This gal, because of the faithfulness of a few who dared to step out there despite fear of rejection, this gal saw the beacon of light that made her wear the dangerous rocks and instead pointed her to the solid rock of Jesus. The darkness needs illumination. So I remember in college, I was driving one night on a small state route no street lights, the, the moon was covered. I mean, it was pitch black out in the country. And I'm from the city, so this was really strange to me. So I, I turned my dash lights down so it'd be dark inside the car. And then just to see how really dark it was, I turned my headlights off. I was speeding down that road. It's college. I was in college. <laughs> The feeling I felt when I blended into the darkness, when I sped to my inevitable doom, was so intense. It gripped me and my heart began to race. I realized the need for light that night. People all around us are speeding to their inevitable doom. And they desperately need someone to illuminate the way. So I want to help us picture the darkness and show how the light is so refreshing when there's no other option. I don't have a lighthouse. 
getting all of us to get in a car to speed down some road with no headlights seemed impractical and frankly quite dangerous. <laughs> I didn't think he'd go with me either. But I wanted us to see and feel the need for light and how refreshing the message of Jesus is. So for the next few minutes, it'll be mostly dark while the song plays. Don't go moving around, but instead reflect on where and how you can best be a light. Make that your prayer as we worship Jesus. is a light that shines in the darkness there is a light that shines in the darkness his name is Jesus His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. The light of the world. There is a Come and 
Slices the darkness as it spreads. We have been called to live in such a way, like a lighthouse, that illuminates the danger and points to salvation. Because of this, have no fear. Even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it seems that no one is listening, shine your light and tell others why your light shines. 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15 says this. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that is in you. Here's my prayer. Live your life in such a way that what you do prompts people to recognize the hope that we live for and shine your light so that they might praise your Father who is in heaven. So we're going to have a response time now. I'm going to ask that you continue worshiping him and ask him how you should respond. Because maybe there's a person that you've only partially shared your light to who might be confused that maybe you need to talk to and Explain, do the tell with them. Maybe you feel like you've been timid at home or work, afraid to tell others why you live the way that you do. Maybe there's someone you want to tell the truth to, but you're just afraid of rejection. Do you need to repent of your selfish, righteous living? You've fallen into that trap. And maybe you want that light that we've been talking about. So we're going to have some of these catalyst young men and women who long to pray for you on the prayer team up here. And what I've found that speaking it out loud and receiving specific prayer is so powerful. It's a blessing. So I'm going to ask you, when we start this song, Will you move your feet? Will you come get prayer? Will you let someone pray for you? Or maybe there's someone just on your heart that you long for them to see and become the light. Can we pray for those people today?
Let me pray for us. Lord, we long to serve you. We want it to be about your message. Your message of salvation and not about our own appearances, how we look. Help us not to blend in. Lord, I pray that you place people in our heart that we should shine our light to because they are living in utter darkness. Help us to continue to pray for them. Help us to show and tell. Lord, right now, help us to receive prayer from others so we can turn this over to you. Any of the traps that we've fallen into, any of the hardship or the fear that's gripping us, help us to turn it over to you anxiously, expectantly, waiting on your response. For you, Jesus. Amen.